All right, it's good to see everyone out tonight. Let's stand all over the building. We'll sing Let's Talk About Jesus. Joseph's going to help me out again tonight. Let's talk about Jesus. Give us one more intro. Here we go. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of Kings is He. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for another time to assemble together. God, we pray you be with the Awana teachers tonight, Lord, as they teach these precious hearts and minds. God, may they be minds be open and hearts be receptive tonight. God, we just want to thank you just for the opportunity to be here. Lord, may you bless in the services here tonight, be with our pastor and his wife as they travel. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Let's say our pledges tonight. Everyone facing the American flag, hand over your heart. Ready? Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, let's do the Christian flag. It's hard to see it. you got to look through the tune. All right, let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior crucified, risen and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. All right, let's get our Bibles out. We'll say the pledge to the Bible tonight. Y'all ready? Let's pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. All right, cubbies, y'all can head on out tonight. So y'all pray for him. <clears throat> Let's all stand together. We'll sing at Calvary. We'll do the first, second, and last verse at Calvary tonight. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me.
multiply to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Amen. If you're thankful for Calvary tonight, say amen. Y'all do be in prayer for the pastor and Miss Renee as they are traveling. Pray for traveling mercies as they come back home this week. Also, as it was put out on the phone tree earlier, but remember Dumas uh, Roar and his family as they be laying his brother William to rest. And the funeral services will be Friday at Moody Funeral Home there in Stewart. Visitation at 1, funeral to follow at 2. So please be in prayer for the family. As I mentioned, there's several sick in our church, so pray for them as they're battling the crud and the flu and many other things. So pray uh, for that. Then also uh, continue to remember Miss Shirley Price, if you will. She's at Stanley Town Health Care as she's recovering. Then pray for upcoming drama, if you would. Uh, we're getting down to the home stretch here, so pray for that. Uh, next couple of weeks, we've got two practices left. It's, I promise you it's going to be great this year. I know it's, uh, it's just been touching just working on it and practicing it. And uh, a few of the... Um, a few of the scenes that we have done had the pastor crying and we was just practicing. So uh, y'all be in prayer for this. I think the Lord is really going to use it and pray as uh, the community to come out and see it and maybe we'll be able to get the gospel to them. No greater privilege do we have than to present the gospel to a lost and dying world. So y'all pray that the Lord will use it and lay his hands on it and uh, honor it. Brother Roger, you come on and get, up and get ready to sing for us tonight. And let's go to the Lord in prayer as he is coming. Heavenly Father... God, we do thank you, Lord, just for this time that we're able to assemble together. Father, we thank you for our church, our church family. God, I know many are battling sicknesses this week, Lord, as they have the flu and the, and the crud and bronchitis and strep throat. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, can just move this stuff out of the way. Father, get everybody healthy, Lord. I pray over the drama cast, God, that you would keep us all uh, safe, keep us all healthy. Father, the next few weeks coming up, Lord, I, we pray, God, that you would use this drama, see souls come to know Christ as Savior, Lord, to maybe draw some uh, saint who has kind of drifted away back to you, Father. I pray, Lord, that you'd use it. Thank you for James and, God, you using his mind and, and just him being able to write this play and being able to direct it, Lord. And, Father, help us as we make your Bible come to life. God, we just ask, Lord, you'd use our church. Father, we just uh, thank you for it. God bless Brother Rogers. He comes to sing. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. gaze in wonder while angel voices sing this night of nights has come brought the world the long awaited key the earth is filled with Heavens we for heaven's eyes can see he was born to die for me Jesus baby Jesus is that a tear in your Jesus, sweet baby Jesus. 
It must have broken God's the future he could see yet he formed the hands and feet knowing one day they'd be nailed to a tree so all the world could know him a gift We kind of forsake Christmas music because, you know, we sing it around the Christmas season. But if you ever dig into some of the uh, hymnology of Christmas music, and I know that's probably more of a modern song, but even the older ones, and you start reading the words, not just singing them, but reading the words, it is some depth in the, Chris, in the Christmas uh, hymns, at least, and just to uh, see some of the beautiful words that are arranged there. And uh, it's just a wonderful time of season. I've always thought maybe we'd do a Christmas in July sometime, just sing Christmas songs, but that always seems a little bit weird. But maybe we'll do that one of these years. But uh, let's all stand together one more time. We're not singing a Christmas song tonight, but we'll start that up Sunday. We'll uh, sing Count Your Blessings. We'll do the first and last verse. That's Count Your Blessings. Upon life's billows, you are tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord had done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. conflict whether great or small do not be discouraged god is over all count your many blessings angels will attend help and comfort give you to your journeys in count your blessings name them one by one count 
see what God had done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God had done. Hey Amen. You can turn around, wave at your neighbor. We'll get ready to get into the word. Like I said, it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight and look forward to Wednesday night prayer time, Bible study. And tonight we're going to be in the book of 2 Peter. We're going to be all over the Bible. We're going to start in 2 Peter. Several verses we'll look at tonight. Appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Second Peter and beginning in chapter number 1. We'll just pick up in the first verse. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to the glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of, that, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5 says, And besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, that ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ hath showed me. Heavenly Father, help us now as we get into your word. Father, we do thank you for it. God, I pray, Lord, you'd bless it tonight. Move me out of the way and use me as your mouthpiece. Keep our pastor and his wife safe as they travel back home. Father, I pray, Lord, you'd touch him once again, Father, to preach to us on Sunday. God, give us a message from heaven, Lord. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Tonight, as we pay attention there, in verse number 13, it's kind of my text, but I really like verses uh, 5 through 7 is where we're going to spend most of our time. But verse number 13 says, yea, that I, though I, yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. There are many ways that the word stir is used within the word of God. You'll find it, as we mentioned it here tonight, is stir. You'll see the word stirreth. You'll see uh, stirred or stirs or be stirred. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 16, it is written, it says, I will put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says to the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds 
by the way of remembrance. We often like to use the term or phrase, let's stir things up a little bit. We like to throw that kind of around a little bit, kind of mix things up, if you would. I can remember playing in uh, baseball season sometimes. If our batting order was kind of dull and we wasn't producing runs, the, the coach would come around and say, I'm going to stir things up just a little bit. And he'd rearrange the order. He'd put the guy that's got the hot bat, he might put him up first. The person that can knock him over the fence, he'll put him about fourth so he can knock everybody in. But he'd stir up the lineup, maybe to grab our attention, or maybe to hopefully that we would produce some runs. But, um, you know, talking about stirring things up, you think about cooking, you think about baking cakes. There's a lot of things that goes into cake baking, a lot of different products, a lot of different ingredients, and those ingredients all in them themselves are not very delicious until you stir them up, you mix them all together, you throw them in the oven, and then out comes a cake or a pie, and you say, man, that's good. But nobody walks up to a bag of flour and says, hey, I think I'll just have me some. We don't do that. But you throw it in with some eggs, and you throw it in with some sugar, and you throw it in with some other little things, and you mix that thing up, and you put it in the heat, and you bring it out of the oven, then you'll have you something nice to eat. So to stir things up. But in our text... Paul and Peter uses this word stir to get our memories to work again, almost like we have forgotten something. Paul and Peter both know that their end is about to be, is about to be near. So instead of having a pity party, they decide to write a letter, and they write it to the brothers and sisters in Christ, and they try to encourage them to go on for God. Paul and Peter both had invested a great many days and a lot of time and effort into building churches. And they, they sunk their life into building up the faith, building up the child of God. You know, they would, they would go into certain areas and they'd plant churches and they saw people come to know Christ as Savior and they'd try to grow that church and they invested their time into that. And they were saying, now, as long as I am still in this tabernacle, this body in which I am in, I am here to stir up your minds. Why? Because we're very forgetful. I got a pretty good memory, but my forgetter's a whole lot better. That's kind of how I say it a lot of times. But they are, they are saying, hey, though I'm about to leave this present world, don't forget what I have taught you. Don't forget what I have invested into you. Don't forget the things I mentioned. And Peter in 2 Peter, verse number 1, is reminding them of some things, some Christian virtues that every child of God should have. Reading through the Word of God, the, the Word of God gives us many, many tools in which we are able to live and walk this life by faith if we choose to use them. And we'll see it tonight as we already read it in verses 5 through 7. You can think about the fruits of the Spirit there in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, forbearance, those type of things. You know, and then you talk about, as Paul's mentioned, that armor of God to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, you know, those type of things. The Bible the Bible gives us many tools to walk this Christian life here on this earth, and it is up to us whether we take it in and whether we begin to use it or not. It's like the mailman. When he delivers the mail, it's up to you to go to the mailbox and get it. Same way when a pastor or an evangelist or a speaker's up here preaching, when they deliver the message, it's up to us to receive it, and then it's up to us to what we do with it. I believe the second letter is written to the same people as the first letter. You got 1 Peter, you got 2 Peter. He's writing to the same ones. But we know that Peter has a deep care and devotion for them, probably because of the time that he invested in them. But nevertheless, he says, while I'm in this tabernacle, in other words, 
In other words, while I'm still here on this earth, I'm going to stir you up. Let's go back to verses 5 through 7. What's he going to stir us up about? Some virtues, if you would. He said, and besides this, given all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing. Peter gives reference to some things that ought to be in the Christian's life. It almost sounds kind of identical, but not exactly the same as the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Peter and Paul were pretty tight. Maybe they had a Bible study together. Maybe Paul said, I'm going to say it like this. And Peter probably says, I'm going to go and say it a little bit better than you, Paul. And I'm going to say it this way. Maybe that's how it went down. I don't know. But a good illustration of this is a growing tree. An acorn falls in the ground. The seed begins to germinate. It root, its roots begin to grow downward, and it branches. It shoots outward, and from that acorn, the mighty oak begins to grow. One thing is interesting, though. You could take that, you could take that acorn off of that tree as it falls to the ground, and you could take it and you could put it in a pot. Let's say, for instance, the acorn. We know it's going to be a pretty decent-sized tree. And you was to, this thing's full of dirt, if you would, this well that they're going to use in the drama. And you drop that acorn right in the middle of it. And that acorn's going to begin to grow. But this is the surrounding in which it is growing. It can't grow but so big in this little surrounding. The mighty oak tree is supposed to be vast. It's supposed to be monstrous. I got plenty of them in my yard. You can't even walk in my yard this year without touching an acorn. They are all over the place. I don't know if that's got anything to do with the cold winter. If it does, I'm sorry. It's going to be bitterly cold eventually. It's going to hit us. If that's got anything to do with it, I hope not. I don't like the cold. I'm not a fan of it. Miss Renee can have all that she wants. Give me the warm climates. I like that. But anyway, that mighty acorn, it was meant to grow, to be vast, to be, to be massive, to grow into something big, not to be bound up in this, just this little uh, circle of life right here. It's supposed to just spread its wings and fly. It's supposed to be mighty, the mighty oak tree. It can't be mighty if you just plant it in a pot. It can only grow so big. It's not meant to be that. It was meant to be something greater. We have to watch where we're growing at, in our circle of life, if you would. Sometimes some people will hinder us from how we're growing because of the, the circumstances we're in, because of the people whom we hang around. Faith is like that acorn, a living faith that should always characterize us as devoted Christians. Peter challenges his brothers and sisters. He says, hey, add to your faith virtue. What is that virtue? This virtue he speaks here is not just simple high morale, if you would, high moral standards. No, it also could mean goodness. It means integrity, morality. It means honor, decency. It means, um, <clears throat> it means worthiness, if you would. But he is really speaking of valor, which is the outstanding virtue of a soldier. And we understand that we are soldiers of Christ in here tonight. He says, hey, he says, you need to add to your faith, add some virtue. You need to add some valor. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's turn over there if you would. 2 Timothy in chapter number 2. We're talking about soldiers. We'll just read the chapter that it mentions. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangling himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 
You cannot be a soldier of Christ apart from having a strong faith. we got to have a strong faith in God. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Shame on us as Christians to ever doubt God. Shame on us. Many of us in here tonight, we have lived a great long time. We have seen God bring us through many, many trials and circumstances and tribulations. And all of a sudden, we hit one tomorrow, and we're going to think, man, where's God at? He's not going to fix this for me. That's how weak we are as Christians at times. We'll go through a great mountaintop experience. Then we'll fall off the side of the cliff on the backside, and we'll be down in the valley again saying, oh, what was me? Where's God? He's not around. Oh, we, we soon forget that he just pulled us out of something last week. Man, we got to be careful on those things. We ought, we ought to be some of the most confident people in the world because God is our Heavenly Father. He created this world. We're breathing his air, drinking his water. We're living on his time. God's in control of everything, and yet we're going to sit around here and wring our hands about every little thing, and God's not wringing his hands about anything. He's in control of it all. Even, in, even though our world looks like it's, it's in chaos, the Bible told us it was going to be that way, God is not worried one least little bit. Everything is going according to his plan. We've got to trust in his plan. We've got to have faith in his plan. We've got to have faith in our God. A strong soldier that will endure will have a strong faith in God. So not only will a soldier have faith, but with that virtue, some valor, ready to fight when the enemy is present. In the Old Testament, the kings had their mighty men of valor. These men were courageous, fearless. They would do anything for the king. They would even give their lives for the king in the kingdom. That's how, much, that's how devoted they were to their God. We pick on some of these other cults and some of these other religions. They are more devoted to their cults and their religions than we are to our own God. They'll spend hours and months and years studying their words, studying their Quran, studying the Book of Mormons, and we'll spend five or ten minutes in the Bible preaching to myself just as much as anybody else in here tonight. They're more devoted than we are. I remember talking to a missionary one time. I forgot. This has been several years ago. I forgot where they were headed, but they had run across some, mission, uh, some Mormon missionaries while they were on the foreign field. They said, hey, hey, buddy. You know, if you Baptists think y'all got the best thing out there, how come you can't get anybody on the field? He didn't have an answer for it. <laughs> you know, if you're, the, if you're supposed to have the best thing out there, if yours, yours is the best religion, then why are you having such a hard time getting people to the field? Mormons, the Catholics, they got churches everywhere. The Baptists are struggling to get them anywhere. And we're having fun on a Wednesday night. Amen. <laughs> so he says to our faith, add some virtue. Faith is complete confidence or trust in someone or something. Why would we not trust God? We've read the Bible. Most of us has read it from the front to the back. We've listened to preaching for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. We've heard message after message, how great God is, where God has pulled people out of and pulled them through. And yet we'll doubt him. Why is that? Are we that weak? The Bible says we have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed. We can move mountains. I don't have the faith as a grain of mustard seed because I can't move a mountain. I'm weak and frail. But in our weakness is where he is strong. So add to faith. Add some virtue. Then he goes on to say, and he says to virtue, add knowledge. If a child of God exercises his faith, not only will they have virtue, but in order to understand it better, we must have knowledge. 
Where do we get our knowledge from? From the Word of God, studying it, getting in it. Let's go back to that acorn. You know, an acorn doesn't have to study how to grow. It just automatically happens. While I was down there scratching around getting up some leaves this past week, there was plenty of acorns laying on the ground. Some of them had already sprouted out. They wasn't in the ground, but they're sprouted already shot out the bottom of the acorn. It's just doing what it knows to do. An acorn is designed to grow. He hit the ground. He said, all right, buddy, it's grow time. Let's go. You know, he's ready. He doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to study about it. He's doing exactly what he was called to do, and that is to grow. The same goes for the child of God. It should come natural for us to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We should want to grow. Christ is the vine. We are the branches. Christian fruit must be born on Christ's abiding branches. You'll never hear a grape struggling to produce grapes. It just does what it does. It, it just produces grapes. An apple tree doesn't struggle to grow apples. Tomato vine, sometimes it seems like it, but doesn't, doesn't struggle to grow tomatoes. These things are doing exactly what they were meant to do. And as a child of God, we ought to do exactly what God saved us to do. Grow and go out and share the gospel with folks. To gain knowledge, we must study. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. In Psalm 119 verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I ran across this statement. Many possess the Bible, but there are few that the Bible possess. I got Bibles all over my house. Many of you do too. Want them as awards, want them here, you know, got plenty of them. But many people possess the Bible, but there are few that are possessed by it. Is it indwelling in us? Is it, is it at the ready? Study to show thyself approved. Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You got verses on the ready when Satan comes attacking. That's what it's there for. So to gain knowledge, we must study. Then he goes on to say here in verses 5 through 7, he says, and to knowledge, add temperance. What is that? Temperance is self-control. That's what it's meaning here. Self-control. A Christian who gives way to evil temptations or careless habits of any kind is not growing in the grace or in self-control. Titus chapter 2 and verse number 2 says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. Temperance carries the meaning of a sound mind. A child of God, as a child of God, we ought to have some self-control. Now, I understand we're still all fleshly human beings. I realize that, and we lose it sometimes. That's understandable. But we ought to have some self-control as a child of God. We should not act like the world acts. We ought not lose our minds over every single thing. We ought to have some self-control. That temperance is what the Bible says. In uh, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11, it says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in until afterwards. Here's a good saying to live by. Just because you think it doesn't mean that you have to say it. I challenge, I challenge myself and many others a lot of times when I come across something like this, taste your words before you let them go. How would you like it if somebody said that to you? I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. Maybe they don't want it. Did you ask them if did they order it? You know, I understand we get flustered and we get fired up and we want to say things. I know. I'm human too. But we have to be careful as a child of God because as soon as we blow up, I knew you was going to mess up. 
I knew you was going to be just like me. Man, if you can do that and you're going to heaven, I know I'm going. It's no coincidence that Peter ties temperance with knowledge. Once again, knowledge comes from God's word. We should gain a sound mind. As we're studying his word, we ought to gain a sound mind. We ought to gain some temperance, a little bit of self-control. You say you don't let nothing bother you? No, things can bother you, but you don't let people see that it's bothering you. Call self-control, holding back. You know, that's one of the hardest things to do is to hold back. There's, million, there's thousands of yards of concrete up here at Philpot Dam. And it's holding back the Smith River, which is now Philpot Lake. But the force, that force that is holding that back is more powerful than anything we could ever experience. Sure, it's got a few little cracks. Sure, if you walk inside, there's a few leaks here and there. Hey, we all got leaks. If you was that old, you'd have a few leaks too. But I'm telling you right now, that's powerful. That restraining power, that's the strongest thing we'll ever known, that is ever known to mankind to be able to restrain oneself. Think about it this way. At Jesus' right-hand call, right, I mean, just all he had to do was say something. He could have had 10,000 angels right beside of him at Calvary's cross. All he had to do was mention the word. All he had to say is, Father, I'm done. That'd have been there. I can almost see in my mind in heaven that God's army was standing at the ready. They didn't like what was happening to Jesus. They couldn't do nothing about it because God was holding them back and Jesus was holding them back because he was dying for all of man's sins. It was restraining power. He didn't want to die on Calvary's cross, but he knew he had to. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, thine be done. He took the judgment of the whole entire world, past, present, and future. At one time, one shot, a one and done. The one done deal. And on Calvary's cross, he restrained from calling the angels to his rescue. He could have done it. He had still been God. But he didn't do it because he loved us so much that God gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He went to Calvary's cross because he had that much love for us. He endured the, endured the despise, the shame, the rejection, all that for little old us. So if we study the word and get some knowledge, then we can be temperate and have a sound mind. Psalm 119 and verse number 80 says, Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see, if you get in the Word and you'll study the Word, every little thing that comes by won't blow you that direction. You'll be strong. You'll be sturdy. You'll be able to withstand the, the wiles of the devil. You won't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Oh, this person's over here, and he's, he's preaching wonderful and, and just great, but he's preaching a false gospel. But I'm going to follow him because it sounds so beautiful. You know, no. Measure it up with the word. The Holy Spirit will let you know, hey, something is off on this fellow. Getting to the word. A sound mind will lead to sound doctrine. Let's have some temperance about us. And he says to temperance, oh my, here we go. He said, add patience. Not only to be able to control oneself, but to have patience while doing it. <laughs> Mercy. There's some tall orders from headquarters in here tonight. But 
This pertains to being able to endure. Don't throw nothing at me. This, this pertains to being able to endure without complaining. Boy, we all fall under that category. We all get on a complain train every once in a while, and we enjoy it while we're there. Even if you're going through trials or on the mountaintop, we can be like Paul and say, like he did in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Whether we're basking in the victory or whether we're sulking in misery, whatever it may be, therewith I am to be content. Why? Because I have learned some temperance. Why? Because I have learned some patience. Don't ask for patience. Because I'm telling you, God ain't just going to give you patience. He's going to work you up some patience. He's going to send you through a test. He's going to send you through a trial. You're going to get some knothead kid that's going to drive you crazy. I'm telling you right now, you're going to run into somebody that jumps on every last nerve you've got if you ask for patience. Don't ask for it. Just let God work it out. I'm, don't, don't start praying up here tonight, God, give me some patience. Don't do that. I'm telling you, you're going to be tried tomorrow. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> I just don't give it out. I'm going to teach you how to get it. But he says, with temperance, have some patience. Patience is that one thing that we don't want to pray for. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 says that tribulation worketh patience. James 1.3 says the trying of your faith worketh patience. In verse number 4, same chapter, it says, let patience have her perfect work. For the child of God, one thing that should be evident in our life is, and to a lost and dying world is that we have Christ indwelling in us in patience. When people look at us, they ought to see something different. They ought to say our behavior methods ought to be just a little bit different. We ought to handle things just a little bit differently. When chaos comes in our life, we ought to be able to handle it just a little bit differently. When you don't get your food right at the restaurant, you ought to be able to handle it just a little bit differently. When somebody messes you, you know, they didn't fix your car at the service station, you ought to be able to handle it just a little bit differently. But we don't. We, we, get fussed, we get festered up. We're like a walking volcano. Boom, you know. <laughs> we destroy somebody, and they didn't even know it was coming. Hey, look, I get it. We all have bad days. So do those waiters and waitresses. Be easy on them. Went to church with a fellow one time. He was a teenager. And matter of fact, he, he took a job at working at Captain Tom's. I said, hey, man. I said, I said, what is the best tipping day? I said, is it Sunday? He said, <laughs> he said Sunday is the worst tipping day. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, no. Nah. He says, you know, some of them just leave. You know, change. <laughs> I said, man, what a terrible testimony. He said, I'd rather work Friday night or Saturday night when the world comes in. He said, but that church crowd, he said, they tight. <laughs> I said, I know. But we used to sit under a pastor who said, if you ain't got enough tip, if you ain't got enough money to go out and eat and you ain't, can't leave a tip and you ain't got enough money to go out and eat, leave a tip. These people are making below minimum wage and they're trying to live off of tips. And a dollar ain't much, folks. It ain't. I know prices are high. Please leave a tip for somebody. Especially if you're going to share a gospel track with them or tell them where you go to church at. Leave a tip. You say, well, they didn't fill my drink up. They might have forgot. 
Did you ask him? I hate asking. I do too. But, you know, I've, I've never been a waiter or a waitress. I cannot tell somebody how to wait or waitress. I would like to think I know what I would do if I'd done it, but I don't know. I've never been in that situation. I don't know what it's like for 15 people to want drinks at the same time. I don't know how you handle that. I'd probably lose my mind and have to walk out the back of the building. But remember, have a little patience when you go out to eat. Have a little patience with that cashier who's done dealt with 20, um, 20 people who's in a bad mood out there Christmas shopping. You know, Maybe you ought to just walk up and say, how's your day going? They might, they might just really appreciate that. Be kind. Be loving. He says to patience, let's add some godliness, godlikeness. No greater role model do we have than our Savior, Jesus Christ. If we're going to win the world, we can't be like the world. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You're saying, am I not supposed to be involved in this world? Yeah, we're supposed to be involved in this world, but we ought to love Jesus more than we love this world. We have Christ's spirit dwelling in us. So therefore, we should have a Christ-likeness about us. The way we handle ourselves, the way we talk to people, the way we handle people, we ought to have a Christ-likeness about us. At the moment of salvation, we became a new creature. The old man is dead. A new man has been brought to life. That new man has faith. That new man has virtue. That new man has some knowledge, some temperance, some patience, some God-likeness. We are called to be a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We have a new life in Christ at the moment of salvation. Now, does that mean a switch flips and you're just a brand new person and you know how to do everything right? Absolutely not. When that baby comes out, does it know how to walk already? When that baby comes out, does it know how to change its own clothes? Absolutely not. For the next year, two years, maybe even three years, you got you some work to do to train that little one, to, to teach them how to walk and teach them how to talk and teach them how to not hurt themselves and teach them what to eat and what not to eat and how to be nice and how not to be mean and got to teach them all these things but yet we'll see someone come to know christ as savior and we think next week they ought to be able to go out and start their own church takes a while takes some prepping it takes some learning it takes some hard knocks it takes some maybe even falling down and picking them back up a time or two he said add to godliness brotherly kindness if we have godliness in us we'll have no problem having brotherly kindness it's not hard to explain. It's just having consideration for all other brothers and sisters in Christ. When you look around at your other brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all going through something, whether we're sharing it with folks or not. Everybody's going through something. Everybody's facing something. Maybe we even got some things we ain't sharing with nobody that we're facing. So have some brotherly kindness and, and love your brothers and sisters in Christ and realize we're all on the same team. We're all going the same direction. We're going to spend eternity in heaven with one another. So why not enjoy it while we're down here? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Shame on us as a child of God for holding grudges toward one another. We should not do that. It hurts the church, hurts the church family. They can sense it. You can feel tension in the air. You ever been in a church house and you just felt the tension in the air? Some of us, I'm sure, have. I've been there. You know, they come in this door, so you come in that door. They go out that door, so you walk out that door. 
You know, we avoid them like the plague. Best thing to do is just quickly ask forgiveness. Get it over with. Why hold a grudge? Makes you feel bad. Upsets your stomach. Makes you feel about half sick. The church house ought to be a place that's full of love and kindness and affection. This ought to be a place where our, our altars are wet all the time. The carpets down here at the altars ought to be wet just from people casting down their burdens, letting off a load of steam, if you would. This ought to be a place that we cannot wait to get to on Wednesday or Sunday. Like, man, I cannot wait to get to church. This ought not be a place that we dread to come to. If it is, then you need to get something right between your brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 10 says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Then he says, with brotherly kindness, he said, add to it charity, which is love. First John chapter 3, verse 16 says, Hereby we perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Love is the highest attribute of God. It is the first thing mentioned in the list of the fruits of the Spirit. They, de they designated a whole chapter to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We love God because he first loved us. I quoted it earlier, but John 3, 16 again says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but hath everlasting life. Turn to the book of 1 John with me, if you would. 1 John chapter number 4. We'll pick it up in verse 7. It said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time, for if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And, he, and we have known and believed in the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth. And the love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love, for we love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar, for, the, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that, we, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Look at chapter 5 and verse number 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous unto us. Let's go back to our text tonight in Second Peter, chapter number 1. I'll get there eventually. Second Peter in chapter number one. 
We'll read verses 5, 6, and 7 again. It says, Besides this, given all diligence, add to faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's skip on down to verse 13. He says, Yea, that I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ hath showed me. Peter wanted to stir these people's minds up and send them back through a, maybe a quiz, a pop quiz, if you would, and just remind them of some things that he had taught them. Say, hey, look, while I'm in this tabernacle, I want you to remember. Have some virtue, have some knowledge, have some patience, have some temperance, have some brotherly kindness, have some love. For if these things be in you, you shall not fall. He was challenging them, and, and he's challenging us tonight. So let's have these things in us. They're tools to help us walk in faith, to have a good godly walk. Sure, we're going to slip up and fall, but let's get back up and knock the dust off and start over again with the list. Stay at it. It's a work in progress. He'll still be working on us until he calls us home. We're feeble little creatures. We're going to make mistakes and mess up. And he still loves us anyway. Let's all stand together tonight. Appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Be in prayer for Sunday services. Pray for our pastor that God will give them a message from heaven and stir our hearts. Let's be in prayer this week for the drama. If you would, with me, for the next couple of weeks, let's pray over this drama that God will use it. If just this nucleus of people right here would pray every day, just for a minute, God, please bless the drama. Use it to see souls saved. I would dare say that those three nights, We'll see some souls come to know Christ as Savior. When the pastor has an altar call for people to raise their hands who would ask Christ, he'll say, there's one. Over there's one. And all the time and effort and labor that we put into this thing, it'll be worth it all. If just one comes to know Christ as Savior, it'll be worth it all. If it just brings one person who's been walking away from God, brings them back to the fold, it'll be worth it all. If it encourages another church to go out and do their own drama, It'd be worth it all. May God use it however he see fit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, just for a time to get into your word tonight. Father, as we brought forth the challenge, God, help us all to, to walk by faith and have virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience. And Father, help us to add these things to our life of brotherly kindness and love. And God, it's, it's tall orders for us, humanly speaking, but Father, you make all things possible. You'll give us the strength and the tools that we need. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. God, help us, Lord, to feast upon it, to study it, to get into it, Lord, that we need not be ashamed. Father, we want to say we love you tonight because your first love to us. Be with our pastor and his wife as he travels. God, bring them back home safely. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.